I'll make a list of all. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> list, list of all of Kit's poops. Where was that going? I oh, okay. I don't know where I was going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number five hundred and thirty. I am Master Torgo. Eighties Jeff. COVID K. Wow. With a K, a K, yeah, K-O-V-I-D. Yeah. Nice. Overworked nurse, Matt. Oh. <laughs> We're here to talk week and geek. So apparently uh, there's a whole new reboot of the Highlander going on. Uh, good news. Uh, we're all Highlanders. Bad news. There can be only one. Oh, fuck. <laughs> My sword skills are way rusty. So, yeah, the Vegas is basically shutting down before yeah. our very eyes. Yep. All of us here basically have been laid off except yeah. for the except gentleman for in, in medical field. I think you're safe. Yeah. Ish. Well, <laughs> well, we'll, well, let's put it this way. Your, your job is safe. Yeah, your job is safe. <laughs> With what I, I've seen in the valley, there, you are not prepared. Uh, what, what, what I think we'll just start doing next week is uh, when, um, when Matt shows up, you know, like in those uh, old World War II movies when, when, you, when you are like a refugee or something and you're going to, to uh, transfer or something and they hit you with that. The the white powder. Oh yes, you know for the delousing, the disinfecting. When every time Matt comes over, it'll just be like <laughs> just like a, uh, like a fireman's hose. Like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mate. You know, okay. Even if we don't have that, uh, and you, if you have some flour or sugar, I'll pay yeah, you for really, that. Yeah, really, really. I'll pay. You Talk about Yeah, yeah. Spray him with uh, Lysol. Anthrax. Oh, that wrong was, one. That was a funny little <laughs> meme. Uh, that somebody, a, a, a GIF somebody posted it, and people standing at a bus stop, and this woman sneezes, and everyone's like, ah, and one guy pulls out a gun, <laughs> shoots her down, and then everybody leans over and sprays her with Lysol, <laughs> and then they spray each other, <laughs> and then Funny. they all stand about three feet apart. Mm-hmm. I, I will say, though, monkeys, nerds alike. We, we are best equipped for self-isolation. Yeah. yeah. We've got this shit down. I, I have built my life on it. I, I, true. I, I, I don't have to change anything I do. No, you just finally have to start watching those movies that have been sitting on your shelf for years yeah. that you've never watched. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> you know, He's so, not going to watch it. So my yeah, wife, I know, right? It's very possible. It'd be like, what happened to Luke Cage? I don't know, still. Like, you've, you made it through the pandemic, this, that, and you still haven't watched Luke Cage? He's like, pandemic, yeah, that was a fun game. <laughs> Plague Inc. I played played hours of Pandemic during the pandemic. <laughs> it is a very very educational game now. It is. It actually is pretty cool, especially since you lose mostly to the board game itself yeah. <laughs> as a group. And 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 the value of working together. Yes. The value of preparedness. Yes. Communication. Man. Oh, everything the U.S. has in ample quantity. Wow. Boy, somebody <laughs> somebody's uh, on a tear. Well, one of us is more in touch with what's going on than the rest of us, so <laughs> I'm willing to defer. Yeah. I no, Matt, I have it on good authority from a conservative defense contractor oh. that the death rate in Italy is high because it, it's been socialized medicine for decades and their medical system is is just shit. Oh. oh yeah. I thought of that. That 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 explained the whole thing. Okay. All yeah. Right. So <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, so, gentlemen, this is uh, this 
part of the show is probably going to get longer as time goes on. What geeky things you do this week? Uh, well, I, I did go to Super ToyCon yesterday. Crazy motherfucker! Uh, I was Let only me get there the for, I saw. I was Jesus only there for Christ. an hour and a half. Uh, it was feet, it was Deadsville. <laughs> six feet away, Jeff. I need yeah, six really. feet away. Did you get anything? Uh, uh, no. I didn't. It, it was. It was. No, he means. It was did sad. you get anything? Are you feverish? <laughs> no, no you feel, okay. I'm fine. And you hold your breath for ten seconds. Yes, which okay. is not true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a friend of mine got me a, a free badge, so oh, okay. I was like, "All right, I'll I'll go check it out for just a little bit." And uh, yeah, he's it like, was, "Here, this is my free badge." <laughs> it, hey, why is your name on it? Don't worry about it. <laughs> he drives no, he, in his well, car, doesn't even stop. Here no, it he, is. Come here, can't no, see him. He, he went with me, so you know oh, okay. I just rendered your whole your whole scenario moot. Uh, so yeah, we were checking. Yeah, it out but it was funnier. Yeah, uh, it was, was like all the celebs that were supposed to be there canceled, except for like a couple wrestlers. And I was just like, okay. Oh that's yeah, funny. Day of the Dead, the day after yeah. uh, England announced. Ah, uh, yeah, I won't be coming out, guys. Day of the Dead was just like, yeah, we're not gonna do it, guys. Yep. I'm sorry, Jeff. I just but no, yeah. It's just I kind of figured it was going to be that like that way. So I mean, that's why I wasn't going to pay for a ticket to go for something that that was half-assed put now, together. Was it, was it all? The, was there any deals? <laughs> yeah, no, really, <laughs> really, and, really. And, no, oh seriously. They like the the already inflated prices on a lot of the rare toys were already higher than I remember the last time they did that. Here well, you town, know, so. they they they're fewer people. They got to charge more to make their nut just yeah. for paying to be there. Right. Yeah. Big ouch. Yeah. Where was it at the Orleans? Okay. Uh, it was at the, the Cannery. Cannery East, off of Boulder Highway. Oh, uh, yeah. They're moving up. Our town. <laughs> they're moving up. Yeah. moving up. East Side, yo. Yep. So yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's one of those things. It's like it got it. Everything went down so late they really couldn't do a lot of like canceling of the the venue and so forth. But yeah, they, like a lot of the people that were supposed to be there canceled. All the vendors were there, which I thought was ironic. But uh, well, probably wouldn't yeah. give them a refund. It's very possible. It <laughs> Don't was worry, ToyCon got theirs. Hey, 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 hey! Bezos announced. The Amazon people who are working right now to cover all of their orders because they're overloaded, getting two more dollars an hour Ooh. temporarily. Oh, well, well aren't, aren't we generous? Wow. Yeah, but apparently they they need like a hundred thousand more warehousing people because they're 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 starting to fall behind on all of the on all of the Jeff do, do, toilet paper fulfillment orders. Do, are you talking now? We're going to have to have three day shipping. I know. What? <laughs> Why am I paying for Prime then? You know, I'm canceling Prime. Exactly. <laughs> canceling Prime. There you go. And then they'll cancel Expanse because there's just no money for, to pay for it. That's right. Well, all, almost and all of them. I'll be like, see? <laughs> poke their head back in. Well, or for our friend from north of the border there, uh, they've canceled like all of the, the film and television production in Canada right now and sent everybody back home. So like all the actors that were filming up there have now gone down. You know, back to LA and so forth, and they're all like, "Well, what are we going to do for the next two months?" <laughs> you're going to do what we do. You're going to play video games. You're going to read books. You're going to watch movies. You're going to paint models. And paint listen, models, Matt. And listen, Matt's to got a job. I'm oh, not exactly quarantined. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt is Matt is anti-quarantine. That's right. you know, Matt Torgo. can be like, guys, I'm in quarantine. Fuck you. Get in the work. They're going to drag him in by the by his balls. <laughs> 
you, set him right to work. You, you cut me off before I could say, and listen to podcasts, right, Torgo? Well, you got to do something oh. while you're doing all these other things. Okay. Wow. He was setting up the pimpus, Todd. See? And we stepped all over him. Yeah. That's what we, 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 we always do. We always step all over <laughs> Jeff. Well, well that's true. because I hire the 80s Jeff marketing firm. Yeah. <laughs> 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 do what I say, I, God damn it! <laughs> I I know how it's done and done right. <laughs> oh shit! Done well, you mean? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't uh, do anything. Didn't do anything. I'm not no. surprised. You've got you are excused for the next oh, two months. You know what? Yeah! Don't, don't. Oh wow! Woo! You really just had to give him that right right off the yeah! bat, didn't you? You got to give him that one, eh? Oh Jesus! <laughs> Me, I'm good. Hey I got, Andy, you all right there? I got an enterprise to work <laughs> on. I got. A uh, army to work on, and of course, lots of stuff to listen to on the way, which I do want to kind of bring up at this moment. Now is the time if you haven't gotten intimate with your hello, e library access. Oh, he went a completely different direction yeah. than I thought he was going to. Wow. <laughs> like, You're quarantined. Why don't you fuck your spouse, nerds? Well, we're going to have little Torgos. Well, I thought he was going to say Pornhub <laughs> account, but uh, you know, he went a completely different direction. I mean, sure, that's one option, or books. <laughs> Uh, so, if you have a library card and haven't attached it to uh, a e-reader of some sort, whether that's your phone, your tablet, or, God bless, an actual e-reader, uh, now's a great time to do that, because yep. audiobooks up the wazoo, uh, e-books up the wazoo, and again, if you're getting it from the library, it's free, so it's not going to cost you anything. A lot of uh, movies and TV shows available as well on See? those, uh, um, a lot of those uh, library-attached accounts. Yes. Did you guys see the, uh, uh, apparently, some of the studios are are doing a live stream thing of movies that are currently out. Yeah, yeah they're going to be releasing the digital rent soon, although I think it's like $20 if you want to watch The Invisible yep. Man, so your yep. mileage may vary. Oh, all right, yeah. That's what I get for not actually reading the article. <laughs> oh, you just did the clickbaity thing, huh? I just looked. Oh, look I, at that. I'm going to talk about this. Dude, I didn't even share it. I just looked at the headline. <laughs> I got a tiny chubby, and then I moved on with my life. And uh, I want to say if... Board games. Not only there's a lot of board games that have solo variation or digital versions. If you don't have anyone to play with, that is an option too. But if you have a safe group which you can play, board games are the best they've ever been. Try them out. Define safe. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In other words, wait ten days, make sure no one coughs, yeah, right. and then go join them. <clears throat> yeah, for that's a the game funny night. thing. I mean, I've got friends from like Ka. Well, shit. Now we can, you know, the CWs, we can D&D several times a week, but I, I'm already picking up the vibe that uh, they don't want to go out. Well, so there's a funny little thing called... Uh, well, love? Roll20. No, that's a crazy little thing. Yeah, that, it's the cell phone? Okay. Yeah, I was going to say okay. there's phones, <laughs> there's video conferencing. I mean, come on. You can just... Eh. It's not the same, Jeff. It's not as tactile. It's not the same. It may not be the same, but it's some kind of yeah. interaction without the threat of catching something. Even Roll20, someone has to pay the premium to have uh, all sorts of stuff in there and everything. And uh, you, can't, you can't all do it for free and it'd be yeah. fully, fully usable. I do wonder, though, because of how ass-backwards our whole internet infrastructure here is in the United States, how is our bandwidth going to be affected by the fact that so many people are home right now? That's going to be a grand experiment. We're going to get the yep. answer to real soon. Fucking FCC. And <laughs> Which there. is funny because this is sort of what the fucking internet was made for. Yep. <laughs> oh, yes. So the power goes out. Make sure you got the candles to read the books and paint the models. There you go. Or, or at least, you know, 
uh, write your emails. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. I need candles so I can write my emails. <laughs> uh, I watched Major League this week, one of the best sports movies ever made. And and watching it, it's it's amazing how much even the littlest of jokes pay off. I'm going to stop you right there. Through. Greatest sports movie ever yes. made. Yes, no. you're, you're talking yes. about Mister Mister yeah. Sports. Yeah, uh, greatest their, sports uh, movie ever. <laughs> Let me ever guess. Made slap, slap shot. shot. No, <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. But I like that. You that guys was awesome. Get <laughs> it together in a couple months now, and you're still got it. I love it. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> and I will say never will. I will say. Kevin Costner draft day. Yeah, okay, that is that, the best. That's, that's pretty that is good. The best sports movie. It's, that, it's oh, a wow. good one. I wouldn't say it's a great one, but it's a good one. That's oh, funny wow. because uh, people shit on that. Uh, but it's, really? it's because they thought they went into it thinking it was a football movie, and it was a football movie about the whole draft process, the front offices, and which is which is cool. It's like uh, which is ironic uh, because now the draft has become this bigger big, than the games. Right. Yeah, you know, this big Although huge it, uh, there's, there's circus. There's rumors that that's going to get uh, can't. <laughs> There's rumors that that's going to get canceled. No, no, no yeah. players. Well, uh, someone will read off the decisions the teams make. Yeah, they're, they're in they're the still, Bellagio fountains. Yeah, they were still. Did you hear what that. they were doing? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? Oh, it was going to be massive. Like they were yeah. expecting up to six hundred thousand people. Yeah, it was going to be insane. Oh yeah. well, um, Moneyball. Oopsie. I liked Moneyball. That's Ball. all right, too. Moneyball was cool because of the whole trading players and making yeah. deals and agreements like that. You're, that ta- you're talking math movies. These aren't sports movies. These are math movies. Oh, Jesus Christ. Who murdered Torgo and replaced even, him with this creature? <laughs> have you even watched Draft Day? No. Okay. Nor have I seen Moneyball. <laughs> I, I, I did find your comment, oh, no. though, about Tom Berenger's character uh, amusing. I haven't made that comment yet, oh. but we're oh. getting there. Okay, because oh. it is made in the eighties. What eighty seven? Yep. I think when this thing came out. Yep, it's uh, Tom Berenger plays a guy that's been in the Mexican leagues and he's been brought up to Cleveland uh, because they're putting together a team that they want to lose. The owner wants him to lose so she can move the whole thing to Miami. Is it ex wife or fiance? Ex fiance, I think. Okay, because he cheated on her left and right. Yep. So she's now engaged to another dude and. 80s movies really thought that stalking was adorable and sweet. <laughs> well, it's that whole, um, if you see something that you want, go for it and consequences be damned. That was that was kind of the underlying theme of most well, of what that was going on in the Show 80s. her just how much you love her. Yeah. That's exactly what was going on. But boy, that does not age well. No. It is. It's like the whole movie is a lot of fun, except Baron just a little creepy. Well, his character. I can't speak yeah, for right. the man Did himself. Did Weinstein right. produce that movie? <laughs> let let let's let's Maybe. just you know stay outside our uh, our heartthrobs window with the stereo over our head playing the <laughs> playing the love song really really fucking loud. Who's your favorite character in that movie? I don't mind Bob Uecker. You know what? I could have mentioned many of the players, <laughs> but Bob Uecker as the announcer oh in the God. stands yeah. is the best sports announcer I've ever heard in my life. Period, hands down, real life or otherwise. He's pretty amazing in that film. He is solid on every delivery. Well, you Especially get you get him. You get him every day if you follow the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, I, and I don't. <laughs> I know. But <laughs> what yeah. what amazed me about that whole thing too is like they basically gave him a few things. Like these are the things that we want you to say about this scene, and then basically just let him improv. So that's why they had to cut a lot of the scenes because the the guy that's in the booth with him, I forget his name, Monty, uh, Monty was like cracking up so much that they had to 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 throw away a lot of that stuff. But 
the reason, yeah. the reason I think this movie is just a little outside. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I think this movie is the best sports movie ever made is because most sports movies pay attention to just a couple characters. This one has not only a whole bunch of characters; every one of those characters have character arcs that are begun have a middle and are fulfilled even the minor characters that you're introduced to that's a that's a juggling thing and it is so impressively written to make that work whether it is even the the old uh, has been pitcher of the team has this wonderful arc. the christian guy has this wonderful arc uh, between him and um, shoop i think his name is yeah but yeah uh, i can't remember his name right now but the uh, the voodoo guy oh Serrano. Serrano. Yeah. Pedro Serrano. Pedro Serrano. Serrano. Uh, so much so that at the end of the film, he has taken Serrano's idol as his own. Yeah. Very subtly. You, you, if you, if you blink, you'll miss it. But it's there. They've just put all these small things to pay off earlier jokes later on. It's really impressive. It's a little uh, Joe Boo. Absolutely. Oh, okay. and by the way. <laughs> War Room Games. Uh-huh. Uh, the guy who runs that uh, runs it uh-huh. is a huge Indians fan. Really, and he has a Joe Boo statue nice. in the store <laughs> behind him. Are you sure? Because he's an Angels fan. Trust me, he's a big Indians fan. He's an Angels fan an too. Indians fan. Yeah. Wow, okay. But it, but he's he's got the Joe Boo up there. That's why the second time I came in there, I get, gave him a little bottle of rum as a sacrifice <laughs> to keep by it. So. <laughs> So he's got his lone little shrine up there. Don't drink Joe Boo's rum. He's very bad. (laughs) What about Major League Two? Uh, No. Yeah, diminishing returns. I mean, it's not the whole the whole Parkman. Parkman, come on, Parkman. It's Uh, not a horrible film, but it's one step above. I mean, it has some hmm. moments, but yeah, it's it's overall essentially a a, a rehash of the same the first movie. And we're not even going to talk necessary roughness. So what else you do this week, guys? Wait, what was wrong with necessary roughness? Uh, it's not as good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, we got the Rocky movies. Hmm? Yes, yeah. they're Rocky good. One. They're, it's uh, Rocky is amazing. Rocky three is a lot of fun. Rocky four, absolutely bonkers fun. <laughs> not as good as Major League. Yo Togo, you see Rocky? Great fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I played online with uh, some uh, Scoop monkeys. Oh, did you? Nice. Yep. Where'd you play? Uh, D&D. Oh, I, I'm so glad it's still going. Wait. T- yeah. Kirsten played D&D? I don't believe it. Yeah. Well, it's it's been difficult, Jeff. <laughs> believe that. Starting at first level, so making yet another character. Oh. And, you know. And wow. So what's your character this time? Oh, this is a, a warlock. Is it a bard? <clears throat> no. Oh. There's a bard in the, the... There's a bard. There is a bard in the, the party, but this guy... Is there? Th- this guy... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I believe really. there is. Are you there? <laughs> Wait, I hear some music. Are you, are, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? There's nobody else over here, so you must be talking to me. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Uh, oh, I'm talking to you, punk. <clears throat> oh, God. Ruh-roh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad we're represented in your D&D game. Tell me. Yeah. I, I want to hear all about your character, but tell me about the bard. Uh, the guy who plays him is very non-annoying. <laughs> As all bards are, not a single one of us are annoying. Let's oh, get that yeah. very, very wow. clear. Yeah, that's that's crystal clear. <laughs> oh, I know Crystal. She's a very good bard. Yeah. <laughs> she plays the crystal lute. Boy, you can't tap that thing at all. It just breaks apart. Okay. So you're playing a warlock. I'm playing a hexblade warlock, yes. 
three clerics and the bard and me. Oh, so, that's an amazing party. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wacky. Are, they, are the clerics, do they have like conflicting oh, gods? They're not conflicting, but they are all over the place. We got a, a, a priest, a priestess of light and a priest of knowledge. That sounds and, like a joke setup right there. And then the uh, the the tempest cleric. Ah. So it, it's it it is all over the place. Our tempest cleric doesn't even have healing spells. <clears throat> oh, my wife would love so, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. So it was fun. It was fun. It was nice to get together. We brought in uh, somebody working with uh, Roll Twenty for the first time. So that was. Oh wow! That was cool. Breaking people in. Always a good. Always a great thing when that happens. Yep. I love it. Yep. Playing with uh, Elena and uh, Dan. All on my old rig? I'm, and, I'm proud uh, of it. Still along. DM Mike as well as Kevin. So so that was fun. That was that was nice and fun. Man, uh, managed to uh, enjoy that. So had a DVD night with Vernon. We started watching Wanted Dead or Alive with Rutger Hauer, which Vernon okay. is just crazy about. And then Vernon was like, is there a Blu-ray of this? I mean, the DVD upconvert is great. What but is, is his obsession with Rutger Hauer movies? He loves Rutger Hauer. I, I <clears> get <throat> that. And, and some okay. of the movies well, that he... No, I mean, I... Dude, I, it's Vernon. <laughs> does it... Does, all you gotta he, say. he actually yes. likes <clears throat> really bad movies and doesn't like the actual ones he should like. Yeah. There are a couple of movies like. that he and I agree that are good Rutger Hauer movies, but some of the Rutger Hauer movies he likes, I'm like, you liked that one? Yeah. Really? I know. I'm amazed he hasn't tried to get me to watch Blind Fury. That one is actually pretty good. I oh, think it's an okay. under... <laughs> I do think that one is an under uh, appreciated movie. Okay, it's the best Daredevil movie ever made. There you go. <laughs> Ouch. Wait a second. Oh, movie. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Blind but it was funny because we're like 10 minutes into it. And of course he's being Vernon. So he's telling me everything that's happening as it's happening. Oh, wow. It's like, so you got Gene Simmons and he looks like a, he looks like a Jewish guy. That's, that's his definition of a Hasidic Jew. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, he, uh, slits so this like guy's throat. This guy? <laughs> and, oh my yeah. God. And he, well, you go, oh, dude, it, it's actually hilarious. And eventually it's funny cause I'll. Eventually, he like, did I mention, you know, the 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 the, the score is uh, done by so and so, who is it's actually riffing off of the movie that he did, blah, blah. and I was like, and I'll be like, yes, and he's like, okay, fine, I'll shut up, <laughs> and then about thirty five seconds later, can I tell you that this guy, he <laughs> <laughs> can't even go a minute, it's fucking hysterical, but anyway, um, about ten minutes into it, he's like, you know what, there's a Blu-ray of this. Fuck it. Let's stop watching this. I'll get the Blu-ray. We'll watch the Blu-ray when I get it. And you're like, thank God. And I'm, uh, are you sure? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, unless you want to. You want to finish this? We'll finish this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You get the Blu-ray. We'll do it. All right. And then, and then we're, and he brought the, the new Godzilla movies over. So we're plugging that in. And he's looking at his phone. He's like, ah, oh, the Blu-ray's, Blu-ray's made by I for, uh, the company. I forget the full name. Kino something or other. Not familiar. Uh, exactly. And he's like, they're the worst. They're the absolute <laughs> worst Blu-ray company. They are... The, you, they're making DVDs on Blu-ray? You, you don't want... Exactly. He, you know, he's like, oh, I don't know if I can do this now. Okay, fuck it. I'll do it. But oh. <laughs> All right. I'll do it. But if we start watching it and you don't like it, you tell me, you know, like like I'm, I'm you know, I'm not. 
I'm so going to keep my you, mouth shut. What is he renting on Amazon Prime, the Blu-ray? Oh, oh rent? Or, sorry, no, buying you, it on your you Amazon buy, Prime? Yeah, he, <laughs> no, he buys it on his. Oh, okay. He's got Prime. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's like, yeah, yeah, no, j- uh, whatever. And it's it's funny. He'll he'll get into this big twist. Should I? I mean, if you want me to, I'll do it. And it's like, fucking do it. So then we just play the goddamn. And then he brings 2012, forgetting we watched it the previous week. Jeez. I was like, that what? movie. Jesus, dude, you were, you were fucking faced last week, weren't you? What do you mean? We watched it last week. We did? I brought it? Yes. Or as Kirsten likes to call it, Thursday. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was just like, dude, you, you brought it, and it was like just to watch the Vegas collapsing scene because it's awesome. And then we ended up watching it start to finish, and, and, and then we watched it beyond the Vegas collapsing scene, and we watched the whole thing. We did? Well, if you want to put it in just to watch the Vegas collapsing scene, because that is awesome. It's awesome on Blu-ray. You brought the Blu-ray last week, dude. Oh, I did? Like, wow. Wow, indeed. Yeah, he, he, man, dude, it's like he's good for the first half of the first movie, and the rest of the night, he does not remember it. So. I think they call that blackout. (laughs) It's just, it is just funny. But it was just funny the way he was like, I did, I brought it. I thought he was shitting me at first. So, but anyway. So, watched, uh, watched, uh, Godzilla, the King of the Monsters. King, that one? Uh, the, n- no, the first one, the the first of the new ones, the first of the American ones. Ah, uh, okay. All right, and uh, it was funny because he didn't know that that the couple was uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, so I sort of blew his mind with that. So I, I got in one uh, one shake uh, shake his uh, psyche, and, uh, and then Walter White. Yeah, he. <laughs> oh God, it's funny because I love Brian Cranston. But boy, did I hate that character. Cause well, was, he doesn't last long. Well, so. thank God. Because yeah. it's like, I mean, Jesus Christ, folks, do we really need the whole fucking... Scientist telling I, I'm, I'm, I'm Well, not even... Uh, I'll take that. Yeah. It's the fucking, my wife died, nobody yeah. believes me, I'm okay. going yeah. to be on the fringe craze. And it's like, you know, you know what, Hollywood? Trump is partly your fucking fault because you guys gave <laughs> credibility to scientist folks on the fucking fringe that everybody ignores, and then you make these movies where they turn out to be right. Guess what? <laughs> Climate change. Yeah, Hollywood. Virus bullshit. Sit down. Please. Oh, my Christ. And it, you know, but I was, it, 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 all that tropiness just, it was like 2012. Oh, John Cusack's divorced. Oh, he, he kind of ignores his kids. Oh, I was just like, <laughs> oh, my fucking balls. My Christ. I can't believe the tropiness. Because, yeah, you know. That, that like, whole that whole he, plot, like, oh, the kids said this. Wait a second. Yeah, I know. <sighs> Quit calling me Jackson. I'm your father. It's just like, <laughs> Jesus fucking. You know what, folks? A complete disaster where the earth is literally falling apart and crumbling is an obstacle in a character arc that you have to kind of get past. You know, that can actually be your issue. The world's falling apart around you, and you need to fucking live through it. You don't need a divorce and ignoring your kids. Fuck. <laughs> <sighs> so what you want is like, 
All right, kids, I'm home. Hi, Dad. Oh, you're the best. Ground starts shaking. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Kill one of the kids. Yeah, the, the support being from the house. Yeah, exactly. Just in. smashes oh, okay, her yeah. head in, and then he's <laughs> carrying around the headless body for half the movie. <laughs> there you've got character arc. Because that moment, when that, you know, when, that yeah. when that moment when he finally lays her down on the ground and and leaves her behind, he's grown as a human being. I'll admit that's different. There you yeah. go. See, I'd watch. It. I got. I sold. I sold Todd. Yeah, green light. So uh, there's no going back. <laughs> a, a, a crevasse opens up. And sucks the that's body. right. That's right. So yeah, there's that's, no going back. Right. There you go. There you go. But do. but the quest for the body is part two. There, there you, you go. go. <laughs> 2014 yes. colon quest for the body the quest for the colon <laughs> I, I do have one final thing i did finally get to see uh the dead don't die oh how was that um oh not not great oh i, I was i now gotta say no. i was, the, I was Zar- so disappointed film, right yeah okay. you're a man Jim who Jim understands jarmouche i know speak I, very carefully now i weigh your words I think I was just disappointed that even with the star power and the fact that I know that it was a, that the acting style that it was being directed that way in the movie that they were being instructed to act the way that they were that it was just a very overall disappointing film. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I I don't have any other way to say it than that. It's just I I watched it. I was like, yay! It's finally on streaming. I can watch it. I watched it and I, I did I did watch it all the way through the end to see if there was, you know, something, something worthwhile. Yeah, and just well to see if there was maybe like some where they'll explain it. And just with the star power that was in it, I was just I guess expecting more and just I was sitting there going, "Wow, this is a film that got made." <laughs> this is a film that got made. I mean, I worked on I like that as a cover blurb though. Yeah. I it, and it's funny because <laughs> it got made. I worked on films Someone in film us. school uh-huh. <laughs> that were made. that were better than this, and this is and, a film and that's that that's got saying made. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I'm sure somebody out there has seen Finish it Jeff. and disagrees with me, but I just I'm just saying from my opinion, I was very disappointed, and I went into it going, I'm really I, I'm well, so sure. excited about seeing. I was this film. excited. I did. Yeah. Know, what's it streaming on? Uh, I think it's on HBO, if I remember correctly. HBO? Yeah. I could fucking... Oh, dear. Well, I'll have to see. This is going to hurt. What? This is gonna, I can see it. I'll have to go see yeah. it. Well, um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say and... watch it for yourself mm-hmm. and then don't let my opinion color... Oh, I never do. ...or influence your per- opinion on it, but... Yeah. Put your money where your just, I'm yeah, just know. saying, I, I, I went into it. Yeah. is tough. I know. He's like... He's like uh, he's sort of like Mamet. Remember House of yep. House of Games? Mm-hmm. Mamet demanded a very specific style from yes. his actors that actually hurt some of their careers. Right. Uh, the female lead, his wife. Yep. She got fucked. She's a great actress, and that movie fucked her because the style he demanded of her was so weird. And uh, Jarmusch is kind of sort of like that. Yep. I mean, but you can, you know, Ghost Dog. It all kind of it all kind of works. It doesn't yeah. work for a lot of people, right? But if you understand what Jermush is doing, well, and see, yeah. I went into it knowing that, and I went into it remembering what I saw in the trailers and going, I don't care what anybody says. I think this looks like it's going to be a fun little movie. And then I watched it, and I'm like, 
it's nothing that I expected it to be. That, uh, now he cares what everyone else says. Golly gee. So I, I, I am interested, though, if anybody yeah. has seen it, what their opinion is on the I'll film. I'll try to, I'll try um, to see it. But, uh, but yeah, that's just my... Willikers. I, I don't want to get into spoiler territory with it. Anybody who hasn't seen it, even though I know the film's been out for over a year. Um, that's just my take on it. I, I went hmm. into it being excited to see it and was overall disappointed. So Well, I know. can't say I'm surprised, though. Yeah. Shit. I picked up, uh, they had a quick sale, and so for like two bucks, I picked up the latest uh, R.A. Salvatore Drizzt novel. Oh. Nice. You know? Have you begun it? Yes, I have. What do you think so far? So, uh, you know, it's R.A. Salvatore Drizzt novel. <laughs> so it's... Uh... So it, it's, it's you know, it's funny because um, I like the novels, and I, I, I enjoy the characters, and... Um, I think it is actually better than most of his novels. So okay. uh, let's back a little bit. Let's pe- tell people what Drizzt is. Drizzt is the dark elf ranger who uses two swords. And if that all sounds familiar to you, it's because that's where it came from. The Crystal Shard was the first book with that character, and it was actually a book about a human barbarian who had been adopted by a dwarf king and blah, blah, blah. And Drist was a side character who just took on a life of his loan and became the iconic character of a the series. Of, a life of his loan is about perfect for that character. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it became defining. I mean, literally, the two-sword the two sword ranger and any buddy who plays a drow. I remember when uh, I was playing D&D, I got that book when it came out and I read it. And when I was playing D&D, I talked to my friend about a drow ranger character. And he just looked at me like, that's fucking, all right, you better come up with a damn good backstory because that doesn't make any sense. And, <laughs> you know, just a few years later, everybody was doing it. So, but... It's been a staple of the the D and D novels scene forever. In fact, they're not doing a hell of a lot of D and D novels. Five E is not doing much at all, but they are doing Salvatore books. Huh. I like novels based on game settings, and and that are drawn from game systems. I like to see what the writers do with the if I'm familiar enough with the setting and the system. So sure. Um, well, that's kind of fun because. The world building's already done for you. You yeah. you know the rules of that world. Let's see a story set with those mm-hmm. rules. Exactly. I thought you were going to say you know the rules and so do I. I wasn't because that's your job. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So I, I was just waiting for you to rickroll as I was like, what? Here, no, yeah. here we go. But um, but yeah, it wouldn't be the first time Torgo's rickrolled somebody in this podcast. What? What? I know, right? What? Never. What? Name a time. Name one time. One time, Jeff. Uh, about right. two and a half years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. What 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 happened? You, I I don't believe you. We are talking to eidetic memory, Jeff. This is true. You uh you pulled up a video on YouTube and you're like, dude, you need to watch this real quick. And it starts off as Star Trek, and it ended up being a Rickroll. So Torgo got me, but not on the show. Mm. Not on the show. But, but I am a cast member on the show. Therefore, you did are you? Rickroll one of us. We're the other guys. That's on the show. <laughs> Oh, that's right. We're we're the rest. Sorry, yeah. and the rest. Toot toot. And speaking of, Andy sends his warm regards to everybody. He misses, mm. he misses all you monkeys, and Aww. he hopes to be back very very soon. Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, I got something in the mail that the timing, of course, couldn't be perfect for this listener uh, mail. A book that I ordered a year ago. Oh boy! Finally arrived this week. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Brian Keene's End of the Road. It's a special edition book that is a nonfiction, uh, both a kind of a 
on the road memoir of his okay. the last big book tour that he did and a dance macabre part two uh, if you're not familiar with Dance Macabre, that's a Stephen King nonfiction book he wrote back in the 80s, which is a comprehensive literary history of the horror genre. It's fantastic. It's amazing. If you like horror nonfiction, find it. It's worthwhile. King is a great nonfiction writer. Yeah, he is. But, mm. of course, that's all up to about 84. And there's no history of literary genre, well, at least of horror. Well, he tried post that. Dance Macabre. Macabre 2, didn't he? No. No? No, there is no Dance Macabre 2. You go ahead, brother. That's right. Uh, and so I'm going to challenge Torgo on a King trivia bit. So this is Brian Keene kind of picking up that mantle and giving a history of horror as a literary genre from the mid-80s up till now and covering the 90, the uh, overall... 80s end of the 80s boom huge 90s crash the resurgence of 2000 the uh the splatterpunk era uh the second resurge that happened in the last two years and now we're kind of going into another horror crash now and so i'm so excited to read this because i love brian keen and nonfiction. brian keen is something you don't get very often but i have enjoyed in the past so yay i get something new to read speaking of things to read uh the book club is reading uh, Robert Heinlein's Starship Troopers. Nice. So discussion is open for those who have finished. I have not. I'm like 35% through. Uh, just to give a general assessment, not bad so far. Although, not really sci-fi-y so far in the first 35% no, of the book. Well, the, if I, it's, I don't remember a whole lot about that book other than it's, it's a lot more political throughout before you start getting into the real... Not really. So, no? so far, it's kind of like the first half of Full Metal Jacket without the uh, insanity. Uh. So it's... it's So far, the first 35% is all hey, basic training. Joker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already in a world of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm excited to get that. I've started reading some of it, and of course, it's glorious. It's keen. What's not to love? Cool. Hmm. Anything else, gentlemen, before I read this piece of mail? Okay, there isn't one. Yeah, it's There's right. also a, a musical piece called Dance Macabre that's spelled the same way, and that, 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 that choked that, my Google. Yes, it will. So I had, to, I had to work. But I would love it if Stephen King wrote a Dance Macabre too, but till then, I'll take Brian Keene's version. Yeah, but it is 81, so ha. Ah, well, there we go. Yeah. Got you. Oh, shit. He That's had to have his get you moment. Schooled. Yeah. Proper school. Sit got down. You. Sit down, Torgo. <laughs> you got fact check kirsten <laughs> There we go. All right, got this little piece of mail. Hello there, Master 80s, K and Zamboni and Andy's Spirit. I recently bought a tablet for the express purpose of reading again. Fancy that. Physical books are great and all, but I have limited space for those. And my phone is too goddamn tiny to read on comfortably. Naturally, I'm aware of King, Keen, Tremblay, Barker, Hill, and some usual suspects, but I have a large selection of ebooks from those authors, and I wanted to solicit Master Torgo for some other horror authors worth a read. Of course, I'm also happy to receive recommendations from the rest of the cast. I know Kay would like to set me straight on how to get into the Hyborian Age. Matt might find some way to sell me on the Horus Heresy. Hard, maybe. 
I can't even imagine the types of things Jeff would point me toward. Oh, sci-fi gems, welcome to. Also, I have a comic reader on this machine too. So if you have any books you'd recommend, there I'm open. I've already earmarked The Boys, Umbrella Academy, Ex Machina, Why the Last Man, and a few others. But what else could be worth a look? In the words of my mom, lay it on me, guys. Keep being the great fellas that you are. Nothing but love, gents. Justin, I love that. I, I, I might steal that, Justin. <laughs> I will not sell you on Horace Heresy. Do not read it. Don't even invest time in reading that. See? Oh, See, but, uh, already you're down one. Yeah, one you well, don't have wow. to worry Leviathan about. Wakes. <laughs> Leviathan Wakes. Read that. It's awesome. That's the... Uh, Expanse. Uh, S.A. Corey, right? Yeah. And uh, the found. I always go back to the Foundation series. I love those books. Isaac Asimov. Yeah. All right. Kay, what do you what do you suggest? Search for and kindle the Del Rey Conans. You will have uh, the coming of Conan, the uh, conquering sword of Conan. I think it's Conan the King. But the Del Rey Conans are the collection of the original. Conan's that Howard wrote. There are none of the pastiches in there. They're the original edited versions of Conan. Um, so as they were printed? Yes, actually, I believe they are taken actually directly from uh, the uh, Weird Tales. They're, they're actually taken directly from Weird Tales with minor corrections like in, in spelling uh, conventions and stuff, I think. Um, they're also great because... They contain fragments, discussions. They have great um, scholar, you know, Howard scholar commentary on uh, Howard, on Conan, talking about the Conan phenomenon and everything in all three books. They're also part of the whole Howard library. Um, his uh, historical adventures, so- his ho- Solomon Cain, called the Conqueror, um, all the all of those other uh, stories as well in in are in Del Rey collected. Um, <clears throat> they charge the full hardback price, so it's you're looking at thirteen ninety nine. So it is an investment. But I I loathe all the cheap variations you can get, especially now that more and more of the Conan stories are entering the public domain. You're getting a lot of uh, thrown together muck. Uh, so I actually discourage that. But you go with the Del Rey's, you're going to get they they take you through them in publication order, Fun. and they talk like about it. the uh, origin of the story, the origin of basically sword and sorcery, and what Howard was doing and creating it, and I think uh, they they are these seminal books, um, and if you really can get into nonfiction, uh, Blood and Thunder by Mark Fenn is the definitive, I think, Howard uh, discussion of Howard and his work. It's kind of a biography, kind of a, um, um, a whatever you call when people talk about authors. Um, I don't know, there's some fucking term, but <clears throat> it's, um, it's, an, it's, a remarkable, it's a remarkable book in discussing uh, Howard and, uh, and his work. So Blood so, and Thunder. Blood and Thunder by Mark Finn. Are there any other non-Howard suggestions you have? You know what I'm enjoying in Kindle is on the flip side of things going into the public domain, you can find dirt cheap things like mega packs of popular stories from the pulps. And so you can buy like mega packs of 
Andre Norton, mega packs of uh, even H.P. Lovecraft and stuff like that, where they, they collect a whole mess of different short stories into these anthology collections, and they're kind of cheap. Googling up authors you're interested in and just looking for cheap versions of those books can be can be interesting there's and of course there's all sorts of cool stuff about Lovecraft that's out there which I definitely would recommend as well as some of the other pulp guys that a lot of people uh, don't talk about anymore so a merit and the ship of Ishtar which some people argue is actually the beginning of sword and sorcery and uh, of course there's um, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs you want to pick up if you pick up at least the first three um, John Carter of Mars books, Princess of Mars, Gods of Mars, especially the first two. Those, those are books that you, you, it'll make your head spin thinking that they were written in the 19-teens. They were written before World War I. And they, they set it up. You see the whole action kind of fantasy, science fiction genre being created right there in front of your eyes. I mean, this was before he, he even did Tarzan, although Tarzan was his moneymaker. But those books are right there, and that's where it all begins. It's pretty astounding to read it. Um, it and very tropey. Yeah, don't, don't be surprised for a minute that everything in those books you've seen before, because everybody has done, everybody's taken from that. Right, but that's where it began. Yeah, that's where it began, so... There's that. So look around. There's also tons of cool history stuff. Harold Lamb is a great uh, early 20th century historical adventure novelist. He wrote, um, he inspired Robert E. Howard partly. And he wrote tons of crusader stories and novels. He wrote about the Mongols. He also wrote about major uh, historical figures. He wrote a novel about Hannibal and his war against Rome. He wrote a story, a novel about uh, Genghis Khan, Tamerlane, uh, various uh, great conquerors of uh, the ancient times, and those are really, really very good novels there. So look around for Harold Lamb as well. Fantastic. Jeff, any suggestions? Uh the Andromeda Strain by Michael Crichton. <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, it, it it is an interesting read. Uh, I just I, it was kind of a joke, but uh, but not really. I mean, it's a, it's a very interesting book. Uh, a lot of Michael Crichton's books are science, where science becomes horror. I mean, like if you read the original Jurassic Park novel, that's very very emblematic of what I'm talking about here. So, um, but yeah, Andromeda Strain is kind of you know, not technically relevant to what's going on in the world right now but it's a it's an interesting read about you know a space bug that comes to to earth and yeah um, if you want relevant to today you, yeah. you need to get the stand which stephen king has said it, it's not like the stand yeah I, I will give you one more relevant in my suggestions actually uh-huh. um, in fact i'll go ahead and skip to that uh, chuck wendig's wanderers okay um, it is about a global pandemic uh started by a bat and it's, uh, it's, yeah, highly prescient, but uh, there's some AI to it. There's some science fiction. There's some horror to it. And uh, it's it's also quite a chunky read at about 800 pages. But Still plenty of time to read a that. very, very entertaining 800 pages. Probably my favorite Chuck Wendig book I've read thus far. So uh, an incredible book that came out at an incredible time because I think it came out eight months ago. 
Wow. So yeah. yeah, I read. I started reading it in December. So yeah, it's fresh in my mind. Well, well, and 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 King's point is is to it because uh, it's um, it's this is a survivable it, it, strain of exactly. It King virus. King was about an apocalypse, and even the yeah. Spanish flu was not an apocalypse. That was a ten percent right. death rate. More people died from the Spanish flu than died from World War One. But civilization was so robust afterward, 20 years later, they went and had another world war. So it was definitely not apocalyptic. Sure. Yeah, and King's book, 10% Survives. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, what I was actually going to be on a serious note, but don't get me wrong. that It is a good novel. Read it. It was written in like 67, though. So some of the material is going to be a little dated. So just be aware of that. But there are two graphic novels that I have really liked over the last year. One is Crowded. Yes. Which is a graphic novel about crowdsourcing assassinations. It's a really intriguing premise. Very well written. The art is fantastic. Uh, I definitely recommend you check that one out. The other was Blackbird, which is about a young lady that believes that there is a secret underground world of magic in the underground of L.A. And everybody thinks she's crazy, but it does turn out that she's correct. Chaos ensues from there. But that's also a really good series. I think there's... I, I know there's one graphic novel compilation of the a, a trade of the of Crowded, and I believe there's two now of Blackbird that are out. I I've only read the first of each of those, so but those are two I would definitely recommend check, checking out. And both of them were on lists of best graphic novels of 2018/19. So look into it. Sure, a uh, graphic novel I'll, uh, or set of them because it's a series that has been ongoing for a good long while is a book called Morning Glories. I think it's put out by Image. Mm. Uh, it's also a book that is one of those things that the, I really don't want to tell you a whole lot about it. Right. Because it's a story that unfurls itself quite a bit and quite quickly. Uh, I will say it, it takes place in a boarding school you would never want to attend. And I think that'll just keep it at that. Yeah, All if right. I do graphic novels, I'll say... Uh Go to the Star Wars Darth Vader series. Oh, yeah, that's a good and, one, too. And uh, the, the associated uh, miniseries Vader Down. I think that they've been doing a wonderful job with uh, with uh, the new turn in Star Wars comics and uh, uh, definitely definitely worth reading. The Vader ones are just, just wonderful. As far as horror, oh, let me dig in. <laughs> uh, we talked about Ronald Malfi. Uh, I think uh, either last week or the week prior on Red Light, Green Light, one of his stories is being turned into a series. Two of his books, uh, Snow and Floating Staircase. A Floating Staircase, more of a haunted house, quiet horror book. Snow, more of a, uh, for lack of a better word, alien invasion, but not quite, having to do with snow. It's high, I highly recommend both of those. Grady Hendrix, especially if you like a little bit of uh, comedy in your horror two i'll recommend from him horror store which is about a haunted ikea basically nice and uh, another one from his my best friend's exorcism which we read for the book club uh which is an 80s throwback and a wonderful wonderful read jonathan jans if you want kind of b-movie horror he has written a lot of monster horror as far as like monster in the lake monster in the woods that kind of thing. If you want monster horror, Jonathan Jans, he writes a lot of other things too, but he's one of the most prolific horror writers happening right now. He puts at least a book out a year, if not two. 
He is a superhero as far as writing goes. And, of course, I've always been a fan of Jeff Strand. Again, comedy horror, although I'm going to recommend most his book Dweller, which doesn't have much comedy to it. It's kind of like as if uh, E.T. made a horror movie with the Abominable Snowman kind of thing. Uh, Josh Malaman, one of his first book, Bird Box. I can't recommend that enough. Of course, they made it into the TV show that's on Netflix or the movie that's on Netflix. Uh, if you haven't seen that movie, read the book. Uh, if you have seen the movie, uh, the book's better. You mentioned Paul Tremblay, but for anybody else up there, Paul Tremblay is who you need to read in horror right now and don't miss it. For some good throwback horror, though, a almost forgotten name in horror, Robert McCammon. Robert McCammon was real prolific in the 80s. He's been writing again. He only started again in the last 10 years. Uh, but he was a kind of guy that was super on the horror scene in the 80s and then disappeared in the 90s. And now he's back again. But I recommend going back to his 80s stuff, especially Swan Song, another apocalyptic horror book, and Boy's Life, if you want uh, kind of an it thing, but without the haunted clown. Oh, so not the Boy's Life. Scout magazine. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, anything by Bentley Little. Bentley Little, I call him the Little King because he has that very Stephen King style. Oh, okay. But he's the Little King. But okay. he's very, very good at creating a simple horror concept and really running well with it. Like, uh, what if, uh, what about the topic of insurance? Now let's write a horror novel about insurance companies. Uh, what about uh, the idea of big box stores? Uh, now let's write a horror story about a Walmart-style store. That's the kind of thing he does. He has a grand concept that's really upfront. Like the book will be called like the policy or the store. You know what you're getting into, and he writes a really entertaining book around it. So Bentley Little. How do you write a horror story about Walmart and insurance without it sounding too much like real life? That's the key to the success. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. He he turns up the realism. They're already you're there. there. It's, it's say, like how do you write a horror story about marriage? It's like already a real-life horror show right there. Uh, if you want some good body horror, uh, The Troop by Nick Cutter about a group of... Bo- <laughs> nice boys, name. The Boy Nick Scouts, a uh, group of Boy Scouts that end up getting a... Well, let's just say that there is a very deadly virus on this island that they get isolated on, and the body horror in that thing is amazing. Uh, last one I'll recommend is Adam Neville, particularly The Ritual, another movie that was made for Netflix based on this novel. Uh, skip the movie through and through the, the movie's fine but the book is so much better uh, there is a first half which is a fantastic stalker horror kind of thing and a second half which is a heavy metal satanic horror that is absolutely fantastically mind-blowing so adam neville's the ritual so i i hope that works for you and I'm, and those uh out there besides justin if you need some suggestions that's a good place to dive all of us that are homebound for the next month or so month or so i'm yeah or so i think is a yeah. closer uh so yeah let's get into the news you don't give a shit about wow yeah there it is in spirit of course it's uh, you you know what this is and there there's so much going on with covid19 just about everything is on pause so yep. i didn't want this to be a list of all the things that are pausing or stopping because everything kind of is so uh but uh but I will say uh, one thing that really affected is the weekend's box office. Yeah. Had one of the worst slumps in the last 20 plus years with an estimated $54 million in total domestic sales. Uh, no surprise there as the virus pandemic grows. Uh, people decide to self-quarantine rather than attend public spaces. 
And of course, AMC and Regal's new policy of social distancing adds this as well. If you're not aware, they are limiting how many people can see, like by half, how many people can go into any theater at any given time. Uh, Those are the ones that weren't forced closed in New York and L.A. with probably more to come. So Sony's Bloodshot was uh, opened this weekend, but at third place of Mm -hmm. all that. So with $9.3 million domestically and uh, I think a million dollars worldwide. Not great for a comic book project that costs $50 million to produce. Of course, the middling reviews and 31% on Rotten Tomatoes don't help. But the spread of COVID-19 has led to delay or flat-out cancellation of films, conventions, festivals, sporting. We, we are all very painfully aware of this. So do expect that all the things that you were waiting for in, even down the line, to be pushed back uh, at least a few months, whether it's a Marvel movie or a, a Marvel movie or, or, a, or Marvel a Marvel movie. movie. Yeah. Oh, I did see uh, Onward earlier in the week, uh, last week, rather. Um, I also went on a matinee, so there was only three of us in the theater, and we were pretty well spread out. So, uh, but onward, of course. You should have walked in like Pixar movie. Hey, Pixar like right next to the guy. Hey, most of the time Pixar can do no wrong. I'm eighties. Most of the time, I, you know, there are certain movies that I find are a little bit lesser than oh, other oh, Pixar movies. Uh, not in reference to this. No. Okay. All right. I but, thought uh, I thought you were leading up to no. most of the time they do no wrong, but. This time no, they I just, fucked I, my mother in the ass. No, I'm just saying I really enjoyed this one. <laughs> oh, okay. Good. I, I enjoyed it's, Onward a lot. It's, it's like a hero apprentice. Am I thinking of the right fucking... Uh... Onward, what it is, it's a story of two brothers that discover that their father was into magic. It's set in a fantasy world. So okay, yeah. It's set in a fantasy world with unicorns and elves and so forth. And the fantasy. premise of the story is... Magic has fallen into almost myth because technology. Oh, okay. Because technology was easier to use, so almost nobody mastered magic anymore. Um, there are two brothers. Um, what tech level is the setting, may I ask? Modern day. Oh, okay, 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 okay. All right, go on. So there's two brothers. Um, one just turned 16, and then his mother gives him this staff, that, well, this package that they're father had left for them when both brothers were above the age of 16 and they discover it's a magic staff and that their father had dabbled in magic and came up with this spell that would bring him back for one day so the youngest son has no memories of his father and is really excited about doing this but the the gem that they use shatters and so it's this kind of this journey of discovery style story with the two brothers going on this journey to find this other this other stone so that they can try to finish the spell and get to have a little bit of time with their father. Wow. And it, it's, it's brilliantly written. Um, you know, got Tom Holland and Chris Pratt, uh, you know, play the two brothers. Uh, just, it's a really, it's a really great story. I really, really enjoyed it. That so. actually sounds very good. Yeah. And especially if you've, you know, it's anybody that's been in that, you know that category of people that have lost a parent or parents. It's it's going to ring with you because it's just it's just so nicely done. Uh, I just can't say enough good things about it. And I don't want to say too much more because I don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't seen it yet. And there's rumors that Disney might also push it to streaming sooner rather than later. I mean, they just put Frozen Two up um, as well as um, Endgame, didn't they? Uh, yeah, Endgame is Endgame, Frozen Two. Um, uh, 
Star Wars, Rise uh, Rise of Skywalker. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah, all yeah. just dropped on Disney Plus early for people that are going to be homebound uh, for the next. So yeah, like that's one of the things I was like, thank God I bought that. You yeah. know, three years of <laughs> <laughs> Disney Plus for the super discount back when I had money. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. This one kind of blows my mind a little bit. All right. Oh. As the world was preparing to shut down in response to the growing COVID-19 pandemic, uh, France broke a weird world record for the largest gathering of people dressed like Smurfs. Oh, Jesus. Nearly 4,000 people looking like little blue beings created by Belgian cartoonist Peo came together in Landerneau, France. Shortly thereafter, the country officially banned gatherings of 1,000 people or more. Quote, we must not stop living. It was the chance to say that we are alive. Landerneau Mayor Patrick Lillaire recently told Agence France Press at the moment, at the statement, before opening up the beach for the job. We got our costumes from all the shops in the area, and we figured that a bit of fun would do us all a little good at the moment. Unquote. <laughs> here's, here, here's the other quote. There's no risk. We're Smurfs. Yes, we're going to Smurfize the coronavirus, unquote. One attendee reportedly said to AFP. Oh, my God. It's an American thing. <laughs> Those guys are totally Smurfed. Yes. Oh. Oh. That's half your culture, motherfucker. Not my culture. <laughs> you mean Smurfer Smurfer? Uh-huh. Have spawned a, uh, having spawned a multimedia of shows, films, games, general swag, the Smurfs. Some of the most immediately recognizable characters on the planet, like the seven dwarves of Snow White, each Smurf is named after their distinct personality, known for their trademark blue skin. And a new Smurf, and, and disease Smurf. Patient Zero Smurf. Patient Zero. Little surgical mask on. Right. Oh. I'm Infecty Smurf. <laughs> Come here. <laughs> uh, all right, Weekend Geek. I'm done with that. No, I've got it. I'm Wuhan Smurf. <laughs> It's like a little Asian Smurf. Wow. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to go that oh, far. We're going this far. You've started me off. Right. Let's see. What else can we Todd, the, what the other done? guys are getting out of hand here. <laughs> this is what happens when I have to stop and write something down. <laughs> oh. oh, what? Do you make a note? No. Time stamp racism. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not even going <laughs> to. Uh, NVIDIA is putting out a call to PC gamers everywhere to download the folding at-home application and start putting their spare clock cycles toward advancing humanity's scientific knowledge of COVID-19. The program links computers to an international network that uses distributed processing power to chew through massive computing tasks, something that gaming-grade GPUs are quite good at. Yep. You can still... You can turn the application on and off to reclaim your GPO, P, <laughs> GPU's full power for playing games whenever you want. Folding at home has been around for years. It was available on PS3, with users lending their distributed power to all kinds of research. A new wave of projects simulating potentially druggable protein targets from SARS-CoV-2, that's the virus that causes COVID-19, and the related uh, SARS-CoV virus for which more structural data is available were made available on the service earlier this week. These projects could help researchers better understand coronavirus and eventually even develop effective therapies against it. So if you're grappling with the feelings of helplessness in the face of worldwide outbreak, this is a small but real way you can lend your aid to the world without any medical experience. It also doesn't hurt that you don't have to leave your house to do it. 
Yeah, that folding at home thing's been around for a while, just like you said. I, in fact, I remember back in uh, college, I had SETI at home on my computer where it was doing that. It would use compute cycles while you weren't doing anything to break down all the, the SETI recordings and look for commonalities like patterns or so forth. So, um, But yeah, this is definitely a much more worth, worthy endeavor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely do it if you've got the... The computer sitting around doing nothing. Yeah, of course. I wish I had a computer strong enough to be an actual gaming computer. Right, that would help. I have one, but man, that sucker is, uses a lot of electricity. <laughs> yeah, they do. They really do. Uh, the next one, I wasn't sure where to put it, so I just kind of put it close between Ish. Week and Geek. Who you don't give a shit about? Okay. Uh, Roberto Orsi. Uh-huh. It's a screenwriter behind The Amazing Spider-Man 2, right? Uh, the first two Transformers movies, yep, and the Star Trek reboot and its sequels, has reportedly been hired to write another superhero film. The, while the industry reports say the would-be blockbuster would be part of Sony's Spider-Man universe that's separate from the Disney-owned MCU, apparently it's not a Spider-Man spinoff, but rather an untitled Sony-slash-Marvel-Universe film, according to Sci-Fi. After Sony struck a new deal with Disney to co-produce the third Spider-Man starring Tom Holland, targeted for summer of 2021, along with a future MCU appearance for Peter Parker, Sony's plans to build it out its own universe with Spidey and friends has only grown more ambitious. Aside from developing a follow-up to 2018's animated hit Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and another film centered on Madam Web, Sony has Jared Leto's Morbius due out this summer. Andy Serkis's Venom 2 is on the way with Tom Hardy reprising his role. And a mysterious third Marvel-related film slated to begin shooting in the fall. So, Roberto Orsi hmm. with a spotty track record. Yeah, I, he, I don't remember the last thing that he has done that I watched that I... Because I, I, he and Alex Kurtzman like had this big famous like split like because they had their own production company and they had several like tv shows and movies that they had produced and then all of a sudden they they separated and um, kurtzman now of course is in charge of the whole star trek uh television universe on all, all access his is a name i've heard a lot i haven't heard roberto orsi's name in a while yeah not so in a while maybe they're stronger apart than together who knows i mean they they did put some good material out together when they wrote at together that first star trek is good yeah um i liked fringe that was another one they were they had a hand in Um, yeah although yeah i will say the amazing spider-man 2 is one of my least favorite superhero movies of all time you know it's funny like even after your review i'm like all right i'm gonna try to watch it and see what he's talking about. i couldn't get through like a half hour of it I, i literally shut it off i was like done just completely done so I, I'm I'm walking on tacks with this one. It's, right. It's I'm not excited. Ow, 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 ow. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for Sony expanding its Spider-Man universe, sure. especially after Into the Spider-Verse, because that is one of the best Spider-Man movies ever made, right? Mm-hmm. If not the best. So I, one of the best superhero movies yeah, ever made. I'll I'll back that statement with you. It's so I'm willing to give them a little more benefit of the doubt if it's under that same umbrella. Sure. But of course. Right now, it's kind of conflicting as to whether it's even Spider-Man related or Sony just taking one of its uh, other options in another direction. But Taika Watiti has locked down a deal to write, executive produce, and direct two animated series based on Roald Dahl's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for Netflix. Hmm. What was that? 
want to come in? Oh, okay. You're doing his rock. Recording a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) The first show is more or less the story we all know. A young boy, a poor boy, Charlie, finds a golden ticket that grants him access to the chocolate factory operated by eccentric Willy Wonka. The second show, however, is said to be a, quote, wholly original take on the Oompa Loompas. The small statured creatures who work in the factory and sing every time something bad happens to a spoiled child. Uh, per Netflix, both of the series, quote, will retain the quintessential spirit and tone of the original story while building out the world and characters for beyond the pages of Doll's book for the very first time, unquote. Netflix, Netflix announced in 2018 it would be adopting several of Doll's works, including the BFG, Matilda, and the Twits, into a slew of animated projects. But this is the first real development since then uh great hands as far as this is concerned although right. i kind of felt the same way when it was announced that tim burton was going to do it right so i'm like oh if anybody can do willy wonka modern it's tim burton and, uh, and there's kind of i don't know diminishing returns on that i don't probably an unpopular opinion so fair warning oh. I, I i haven't found much of tim burton's 21st century fair to be at all intriguing. Like, literally, I've been disappointed with everything. Hmm. Hmm. I, like, Alice in Wonderland was not great. Um, I, now, I haven't watched Dumbo yet, which is supposed to be pretty good as far as okay. a take on the live-action version of Dumbo. But, uh, yeah, like, every one of his modern-day, you know, more modern-era projects, I'm just like, huh. Well, frankly, most of his modern-era projects are other people's licenses. Yeah. And... I think maybe that's where all the suffering is. It, it could be, but the, I mean, he's done good work with other people's licenses prior to. Sure, like uh, Planet of the Apes. Yeah, that was bad too. Yeah. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> what? I stand when did, corrected. When did he ever do a Batman movie? I'm kidding. I, this is one of the best movies he's ever done. Absolutely. Uh, you're okay, right. Okay, good. He, I, he, I, he for does. a minute, I thought they would back on Roberta Orsi or something. I was like, oh fuck, did I fall asleep? <laughs> No, it's uh, no. So you're right. Batman is excellent, uh, but if you look at his more original stuff, Scissor Hands, Whoa, oh, Beetle Scissor Juice, Hands, that they're they are s- massive statues of genre. A, a lot of people, I, yeah, like talk about Beetlejuice, but I think it's not that I, good. I I think Scissor Hands. I mean, that's I I feel I, like I, it's I, a I better overall. I think. Film. Well, I I mean, I'm I'm leaning towards like I don't know his finest. Yeah, well, I mean, what would you pick as the greatest Tim I, Burton movie? I don't know, but I I would say that I think you're pretty good with that. Now, yeah. To be fair, you and I saw Sweeney Todd in the theater, and that's a Burton film, and we both liked that. Yes, we did. I wasn't that fond of Frank and Weenie, which I I went into thinking, oh, it's a stop motion animation film, this is going to be cool, and was kind of eh. I never saw the Mrs. Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Um, but you know what? That yeah. wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Yeah, it wasn't a bad adaptation of the book. Uh, pretty, pretty solid adaptation, actually. Because so. I was trying to, I was trying to go through some of the the more recent ones that he's done. But yeah, I didn't like Alice in Wonderland. Corpse Bride, I thought was okay. No, I did like Corpse Bride. Um, I, I'll definitely give that one. Really right. was disappointed with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Big Fish was okay, but not great. Planet of the Apes was terrible. Nightmare Before Christmas. Well, that was. Am I hallucinating? It's, no, that was Nightmare. He did Nightmare Before Christmas, but that's that a good was. One. That's but a good he one. didn't direct it. No, he didn't direct it. It was uh, just a project that. He, see, I knew, I knew there was something about it. 
So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I still like Burton. Uh, but I honestly, I've not been excited to see any of his films and I've skipped a lot of them. I still haven't seen Alice in Wonderland just based on not only your, yeah. your review of it, but others as well. Well, the funny thing is, like, people were telling me it's not great, and I'm like, oh, I'm still going to watch it anyway because it's Tim Burton. And, I, I, you know, granted, that's 10 years ago. It was 2010 that came out. And I, I still went and watched it, and I was like, wow, this is just not and not great. And then, you know, I was having the same feeling watching Alice in Wonderland as I did watching Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I'm just going, I'm like, what is going on here? I mean, it, it was almost like it was bizarre just for bizarre's sake and not... Now, supposedly a little bit well, more true that, to the novel. You could say that that's what Beetlejuice is, bizarre well, sure. for bizarre's sake. Sure. But We had Matt's opinion time. on yeah. Beetlejuice. And it's my, <laughs> my favorite one of all of Burton's films. Uh, but I understand. Mileage may vary. Hmm. But anyway, that's I just, just kind of my... I opinion. think in terms of... not Not just in terms of execution... But in terms of the heart, what I would call the essence of Tim Burton, um, you know, really where he's at in terms of the particular individual and and their place in society or lack thereof, all of those elements, it, it really, really, and weirdness and, and bizarreness being melded with reality, I think Scissorhands really just has it hands down if it's, you'll forgive the yeah it's, it's it's a much more well-rounded film i think yeah than, and it's it, some and, of his and, others and just it i think there's there's so many emotional points and story points that scissor hands just hits that it does so well it's just i think it's it's a burton movie through and through and it's it's a it's a fine movie it's a great movie actually through and through and combining that, I think, I think that's actually an interesting. I wonder what other people would say, uh, Shock Monkeys, about yeah. what is Burton's um, penultimate film? Yeah, great, great. Well, ultimate film. Ultimate. Okay. You know, let, yeah, let yeah, penultimate. Leave I the mean, pen out. I know right. penultimate. His yeah. second greatest movie. What's, okay. his, what's his pencil ultimate? <laughs> <laughs> but you know the the what 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 do you think is his greatest movie? Because I, I I I still feel I still feel that Scissorhands really. If you want the perfect Tim Burton movie, there it is. Because even Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, there's enough reality. You know how like in Scissorhands and the others, even when you're in reality, even when you're in the grounded, this is the world today, there's enough about it that's off. Yeah. Right? And Beetlejuice actually, I think, um, uh, their life in reality before it all starts going weird is is actually fairly solid as as reality life. Yeah, you're you, right. you see what I'm saying? You're right. That is it is on the other side of the looking glass, if you will. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and but but and and for Burton, even when he's even when it's somebody who's gonna get in their car and go to the store and buy some milk, there's this element of there's this little string of what the fuck somewhere in there. You know what I'm saying? And and so that's the thing I like about Scissor Hands. It's it's just and that and fucking Vincent Price, right? It's just. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. Okay. So how do you feel about this other Charlie in the Chocolate Factory? Taika Watiti. Watiti. I mean, there you go, right there. Like you said, safe hands, good hands. Uh, 
I think I like the fact that they're not trying to go back and redo that particular film. They're doing the spin-off novels. Well, they're but doing both. Saying, I thought you said they had the two, their two no, projects. No, he has two projects. Two. Uh-huh. One is the original Charlie and Chocolate Factory as oh, an adaptation, okay. and then the other one is... I like how Hollywood just, just is on the Oompa Loompas. I like how Hollywood just doesn't give a fuck anymore. You know, it's like you don't have to go an entire generation before a remake or, you know, let's try it again. It's just like, uh, fuck it, let's do it again. And these are animated. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, and also the, the, the Oompa Loompa angle because we know about the problem are they going to do the original book oompa loompa exactly and it's funny because <laughs> they don't know are incredibly racist yes but you got taika watiti mm-hmm. handling it so how is that going to be handled if it gets right. handled right will they will they do the you could call it the cop out you could call it the the prudent orange green haired you know just or do you tackle that head on because it's it's a it's a non-white uh, creator who's very gifted, you you do you tackle it head on and somehow m- make it work as well as make a comment on whatever the hell you're going to make a comment on. Well, in those hands, it's going to be interesting either way. But again, I said that about the Tim Burton version, so no, oh. yeah, it's true. So so it does cover this in a little slime. Yeah, I feel a little slimy on it. <laughs> Uh, we did lose Alan Bellman this week. He uh, died uh, on March 9th, one of the last surviving Captain America artists from the earliest days of Marvel Comics, mm. back when it was still called Timely Comics. Uh, Bellman passed away at the age of 95. Mm. Bellman landed a job as a teenager at Timely to help continue the Captain America comic after its creators Joe Simon and Jack Kirby had left. He would go on to pencil and or ink cap for more than a decade. The Mayan Kingdom... Of Saxe was thought to be forever lost somewhere in Mexico until it recently surfaced in the backyard of a cattle rancher. Uh, what? It surfaced unexpectedly when a grad student on a dig was waved over by a roadside carnitas vendor who <laughs> wanted to show him an ancient tablet. Now Brandeis University Associate Professor of Anthropology Charles Golden and his research team have unearthed what they believe was the capital of Sakzi, an Atlantis of the Mayan Empire. Sakzi was rumored to exist or even referenced in inscriptions found in other ruins in ancient Maya that they left behind. Uh, it was thought to have been settled around 750 B.C. and stayed standing for more than a thousand years. Buried there were monuments along with ruins of a 45-foot pyramid, a ball court, sculptures, a marketplace, and a royal palace. Uh, Sculptures like the tablet found by the vendor tell of mythological tales and keep records of battles and the births, lives, and death of the kings. Wow. So, hello. Yeah. Unearthed lost civilization. Archaeology. (laughs) That's very neat. Uh, So, uh, dig in your backyard is what I'm saying and ignore what they say about the pipes. (laughs) because <laughs> there's civilizations under there oh yeah here's an update on the upcoming Stephen King adaptation of Lissy's story which is getting a limited series on the Apple TV plus streaming service Stephen King is writing all eight episodes mm, wow the series stars Julianne Moore uh, Dane DeHaan Joan Allen and Sung Kang Moore plays the titular character who discovers dark secrets harbored by her late husband, played by Clive Owen. 
Speaking to Collider, DeHaan said that not only has King written all the episodes, the prolific horror legend is taking a hands-on approach to filming as well. Quote, Who cares? What? Apple TV is that, Plus. Is that what it is? is Apple Who TV cares? Plus? I was lamenting to my wife at home because I'm like, I really need to see this if King's writing it. There's there's just no getting around it. Are you going to get Apple TV Plus? Uh, maybe for a month. Mm. When it's all done. It's, it's, it's a limited series. It's going to be the novel, so eight episodes. I, I can hang in there for Don't you still have to have an Apple device to watch it? I have an iPad. Well, I know you do, but some of us don't. Well, I, I'm not I'm talking yeah, about he, you, Jeff. He's not really upset about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't care about you guys. I care about me. I'm sorry. Jeff won't be able to watch the Stephen King story. Probably doesn't have a lot of interest in. Another another subscription service <laughs> like, he won't be I able like to Stephen forget King. to turn off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do I have to say, though, that I was uh, watching TV the other day and an ad for Amazing Stories came on. And I got excited for a moment until, I, until it got to the very end of the commercial and said, now streaming on Apple TV+. And I was like, oh, that's right. I can't watch it. I, I exact same yeah. moment. I watched that, and I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty. Oh, yep. Uh, Lissy's story produced by J.J. Abrams does not yet have a release date. And a group of Japanese elementary school children found a creative workaround to the core of coronavirus quarantine, <laughs> which had prevented them and countless others from attending their end-of-year graduation ceremonies, building and holding their own ceremony in Minecraft. As the Sora News 24 reports, Japanese Twitter user uh, Bakinyu uh, shared several photos and videos highlighting the efforts of his son and schoolmates. Uh, Bakinyu says that his son already played regularly with his friends, so it quickly became their go-to hangout after the Japanese government closed schools for two weeks in response to the virus. Using it as a social space to hold their own graduation ceremony just made sense. The kids built an assembly hall complete with stage, seating, and proper red carpet, which they could all walk down in order to receive their virtual diplomas. And one of them built a penis, right? Uh, yes. That's what you do in His Minecraft. name is Paul. <laughs> and he said, I can finally graduate elementary school. I just came across this uh, earlier today. Uh, but uh, apparently there's a way to build a fully functional a fully operational Death Star in Minecraft. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's on YouTube now, but the, it was on... Uh, um, oh, shoot, what was the article? I'm trying to find the article that I was actually reading earlier. It was on one of my, my geeky websites that's, you know... I know a lot of people out there poo-poo Minecraft. Right. And understandable, it's not for everyone, no doubt about it. But there are some goddamn feats of engineering in Minecraft that are absolutely mind-blowing. People are making computers in there. It's wild. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to skip to a, another story that kind of uh, puts that through. I read an article. It's like a fully functioning library. In my uh, here, yep. That's pretty much what I'm going to read here. Ah, Okay. Well, <laughs> good job, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Proponents of free speech and yep. uncensored reporting may find a new safe haven for articles reporting and other potentially banned text, and that is Minecraft. The building game for consoles and PC have allowed inventive players to con construct in-game computers, logic games, and they've also been able to do it over all over the world with relatively little barrier to entry. But now, thanks to a collaboration between the game and Reporters Without Borders, players can access in a virtual library information they might not be able to see in their country. 
the Uncensored Library, as it's called, uh, launched yesterday in celebration of World Day Against Cyber Censorship, offering articles by reporters like uh, Jamal Khashoggi, uh, Javier Valdez, uh, Gwyn Van Dye, and more general websites like Granny.ru and Mata Masser, a portal that might be banned or blocked in certain countries. These are available both in English and their original language through the game. Quote, in many countries around the world, there is no free access to information. Websites are blocked, independent newspapers are banned, and the press is controlled by the state. Young people grow up without being able to form their own opinions. By using Minecraft, the world's most popular computer game, as a medium, we give them access to independent information, said Christian Mither, the managing director of Reporters Without Borders in Germany, in a statement. The library was built in collaboration with the design studio Blockworks, which posted a video of the project over three months and is available for gamers to visit now on their server. See, why you got to go and bring light to this? Like, people will know. The right people will know. This is, this is how they'll know. This is, I know, that's, that's kind of Now cool, it's going to be blocked. It's going to be blocked now. I guarantee you, uh, Minecraft, in those areas. All Todd's fault. No, 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 no. Not, no, this reporter in Germany. <laughs> Not not Torgo. It's no no no. I'm part of the problem now, Matt. No. <laughs> Why do you got to be part of the problem, Torgo? Be part of the solution. I'm yeah, always really. part of the problem. <laughs> no, that does sound cool though. I I, I would totally yeah, get behind that project. Very nice. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, the Minecraft is nuts. Would I am totally behind that project? Jeez. You you, you want to have just a plain, awesomely entertaining time? Yeah. Do a search for roller coasters in Minecraft. I have seen some. In fact, you showed me some of those videos. Specifically look for the Ghostbusters and Beetlejuice ones. Okay. Those I haven't seen. I'll have to look those up. Those are friggin' amazing. I can't imagine how much time they took. My God. Uh, let's see. Where are we at time-wise? Well, you know what? We still have a bunch of red light, green lights. Oh. Red light, green light. Such a fun game to play, yeah. Doesn't matter what you say, they're gonna make this shit anyway. Wow, all of those. Are- <laughs> <laughs> as long as all they're all direct are- to streaming that we can watch over the next few months. <laughs> much to much to Matt's chagrin over there. <laughs> all right, guys. All right. I know that the things are going to be slow here for a little bit, but we still got things on the desk we have to go through. I mean, we got to ferret some of this stuff out. I mean, production's slowing down, budgets are getting cut, so uh, we got to figure out where we're going to go from here, all right? All when, right. when all this clears up, people, we got to figure out entertainment for now and entertainment for later. All right. All right. So, the first pitch on my desk Westworld showrunners Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan are executive producing an adaptation of William Gibson's 2014 novel The Peripheral at Amazon. Spanning several time periods in the future, here is The Peripheral, all right? Flynn Fisher lives down a country road in rural America where jobs are scarce unless you count illegal drug manufacturer, and she's, which she is trying to avoid. Her brother Burton lives on a, lives on money from the Veterans Administration for neurological damage suffered in the Marines Elite Haptic Recon Unit. Flynn earns what she can by assembling product at a local 3D print shop. She's made more as a combat scout in an online game, playing for a rich man, but she's had to let the shooter games go. What? Will, what? Nothing. Go All ahead. Right. Keep reading. All right. 
Wilt Netherson lives in London. Seventy-some years later, on the far side of decades of slow-motion apocalypse. These th things are pretty good for now, for the haves, and there aren't too many have-nots left. Wilf, a high-powered publicist and celebrity minder, fancies himself as a romantic misfit in a society where reaching into the past is just another hobby. Burton's been moonlighting online, secretly working security for some game prototype, a virtual world that looks vaguely like London, but a lot weirder. He's got Flynn taking over shifts, promising her the game is not a shooter. Still, the crime she witnesses there in the game is plenty bad. Flynn and Wilf are about to meet one another. Her world will be altered utterly, irrevocably, and Wilf, for all of its decadence and power, will learn that some of these third world types from the past can be badass. Show run by Scott B. Smith, the one-hour drama directed by Vincenzo Natalia, who did In the Tall Grass. William Gibson is a acclaimed speculative science fiction writer who is credited as the father of cyberpunk. So a show that crosses decades of time with characters that interact through this game. Just greenlight it. We know you and your time thing. Just come on, time man. <laughs> sure, greenlight. <laughs> Wow, it was it wasn't even the time angle. I was just like kind of interested about, yeah, you know, I love cyberpunk. Yeah, and, and, that's exactly and virtual, virtual world stuff. I think is very cool, and I'd like to see a whole bunch more of it. So, uh, definite oh, green light. That's where we're heading. So yeah, green light. Yeah, you know? that's, that's I mean, what he said is exactly where I was going to go. Uh, the time thing wasn't even a. It, it was funny because you. You talked about Minecraft, right, and the library, and I was thinking, you know, wouldn't it, won't it be cool if we ever reached that level where, you know, dissidents and 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 uh, people trying to speak truth to power can associate virtually and exchange ideas and everything, like in a in a in a stereotypical cyberpunk manner where your avatars are sitting exchanging information and stuff like that, and then you right up into that fucking story and that's that hits it that hits it perfectly and where where is it on it's, it's going to be on Amazon Amazon okay good and it's the Westworld that. showrunners that are doing it yeah they're I mean Westworld is just what a fucking concept that was I mean they they took something that was just flat out wacky and and they really really went somewhere made something really fantastic out of it yeah uh, just so. started back up last night and, uh, right that first season episode, three uh, yeah that yeah. first episode makes me really excited to see what they're going to do with this yeah. third season Th that they're they're very good that way the the first season kind of was sort of you were sort of in the zone of right what are they uh, going to do wh what's going on here but they're they're pretty good at at keeping you string well i don't want to call it stringing you along but they keep you engaged i'll yes. put it that way that's that's an excellent way of putting it so yeah green on me too because it's i like science fiction and weirder science fiction especially in visual form i'm all about it and william gibson is good at uh, weird sci-fi stuff i want to i want to cut in for something because i've had something i've wanted to ask for a while and uh, i've 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 gotten snarky and dissy, so I want to avoid that, and I actually okay. want to ask a serious question. Okay. Um, this made me think of Altered Carbon, which I really enjoyed. I really thought was good. Uh, I, and like I said, I like cyberpunk. Now, there were uh, a couple of people who commented they didn't like it, found it 
pretentious. I'm honestly having a problem understanding just what that means. So if monkeys could pop into the lair, if you found it pretentious or you, you know, and, and I'm speaking about altered carbon because this is something I watched and liked so I can, I can relate your answer and try to parse it out. So maybe just popping in to, to, you know, describe what you mean by pretentious is not going to help. But if you found it, if you found altered carbon pretentious, what do you mean by that? What does that mean to you? What are you trying to say? Because it's still something that's being, I, I know how I would use the term, and there was nothing about altered carbon that I would apply that to. So I was sort of like, I'm not sure what the use means and, and where it's coming from, and I'm it, kind of curious. It's I, a little nebulous, little... It is. It is. It's. Yeah. It. You know. I. I know when I would use it. It's sort of that. You know. Walks like a duck. Quacks like a duck. But right? I mean the term. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And and and. But I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure how. How it exactly would apply. I will tell you from personal experience talking with people about different shows and movies in in the sci-fi genre. A lot of times when you have morality plays or things that reflect a potential future the way things are going socially, technology, technologically, etc. I've found that calling a thing pretentious sometimes is kind of a default response when they are watching a show that they feel is kind of preachy. As in, you know, they just want a fun ride watch. They don't want to learn anything or have any kind of commentary on about what where the world is right now or where the world may be going. So I have found that that's often misused by just saying, oh, it's very pretentious because it's a thing that they are watching that they don't want to feel like they're being, you know, told how they should live or, you know, what's really going on in the world. It's just they want something that they can watch for enjoyment. So that's something I have personally witnessed. I don't know if that's the same thing in this particular instance, but it could be. Yeah, like I said, um, to hear that, Mm-hmm. If it's if it's applied to altered carbon, would explain yes. Yes. a hell of a lot. So that that's kind of I've had you know. people say Star Trek is pretentious. Yeah, I just and I don't you know. I don't agree with it. I yeah. can understand once I get into the with the certain people that I know that will have a logical discussion with me as opposed to an argument. Right. I can kind of understand why they're right. applying it that way, where even mm-hmm. though I may not agree with it. Yeah. And so that's that's just that's my take on what it is without right. having without knowing for certain, which is why I think it, it and, would be good it, to get a And it is the kind of statement that I that that I would go off and, and be snarky cursed and be a jerk about. So sure. I wanna I wanna say that I'm this is something I'm honestly trying to understand here. Sure. So that I'm this is I'm not baiting or looking for that. I'm like right. if if you felt this way This is a safe place. Yeah, people. yeah. Le- exactly. Actually Since yeah. when? I know, right? <laughs> Sit down. You know, <laughs> let let me know so I because I'm I'm trying to under I'm just I'm really curious and I've been meaning to reach out and ask people and I just haven't done it, so fuck it, I'll just do it now. I just realized your jacket is a Star Trek uniform. Wow! Yes. <laughs> now I looked across and realized that uh, after the whole Star Trek. There's an yeah. interesting story behind it's this. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I won't. I won't get into it on the podcast. Thank you. I, All the monkeys. Thank you. 
You hear that? A cry out, everyone thinks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's as, wow. If a, it's as if an entire population of people suddenly cried out and we're suddenly silent. And we're suddenly <laughs> silent. It's, it's okay. And they were suddenly <laughs> silent. <laughs> That's one of the most geek shock things that's happened in ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Red light, green light. Amber. The CW. Is the color of your energy? Oh, oh wow. A 311 reference. Yeah. I'm impressed. Wow. CW red light. Anyways, I'm not go as ahead. shallow as you guys think I am. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen you as shallow, but I've never seen you as a 311 I listener. don't know. I, I like 311. I just always thought you were pretentious. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with pretentious. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The CW is expanding its slate of original genre programming with a genre drama based on the Midnighter series of books by Scott Westfield. WBTV has tried to adapt. This is what it wrote. Has tried to adapt the novels for the last 14 years. Oh. Uh, drawing from Westfield's trilogy, The Secret Hour, he wrote in 2004, Touching Darkness and Blue Noon, which he did in 2006. Warner Brothers Television Distribution. Duh. Okay. I got it. Ah, yeah. Duh, Jeff. It, it took me a second. I was like, WT, that, that does not even around anymore. Like, <laughs> oh, wait. CW. It went away with WKRP in Cincinnati. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, the way you're supposed to say it is Warner Brothers Distribution Television. I'm sure you haven't heard of it. <laughs> The show will follow a brother and sister duo who learn that they are Midnighters, special individuals born at the stroke of midnight who can access an extra 25th hour of the day. Well, That's not fair. <laughs> well, you've got to be born at the right time. Oh, uh, okay. While, Snowflakes. While they initially use this power for personal gain, they are eventually thrust into a conflict against an ancient evil that's been wanting to break free of the 25th hour for centuries. Produced by Warner Brothers Television and Alloy Entertainment, the project's being overseen by Martin Garrow, creator of NBC's Blindspot, and Chris hey, Posbon, the co-executive producer on Blindspot. So, from the guys from Blindspot. Never seen Blindspot. So here it is, Midnighters... Red light, green light. But I do like that story, so green light. I like what they're trying to do there. Ancient evil, trying to get out of that 25th hour. Trapped in an hour that none of us know about. Yeah. Green light. Uh, all right. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's very tepid. Why, why yeah. is it tepid? Yeah, I'm just, you know, man, special snowflakes. Oh, we're special. Let's go be special. Okay, we're going to special the world. Isn't yeah. that most fantasy, really, when it comes down to it? Uh, it's my big fucking problem with fantasy, uh, yeah. you got to keep going with that story. we got a special... Oh, my God, there's an evil here! Yeah, really. <laughs> I have no idea what you said. You just <laughs> redlined this whole thing. You totally andied that there. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. Wasn't my oh. fault, folks. Don't anybody complain at me. I'll, I'll green light it, yeah. I, I blame it on the fact that he has no headphones. <laughs> it could oh, be. yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. that's how I roll. That's how I roll. Yeah, well, look at his hair. Headphones would ruin his it hairstyle. Would. It would. That's right. All right, so... Green light, <laughs> green light. Right. Oh, no, a, a, a very... Yeah, green you know, lime green. All right. Okay. I like lime green. Mountain Dew green? Sure. Phosphorescent. Yellowish green. <laughs> day glow green. Yellow. Not day glow. You know, puke green. There yeah, you go, there green. you go. I, yeah. I said green light. Yeah. Okay, so green light. I, I'm green lighting it, too. It's it's. It, I like this extra hour concept. It's fun. It sounds different enough. It kind of reminds me of the, what's that uh, comic, the uh, the sex 
comic where when they have sex, sex criminals, sex criminals when they have sex time stops. So, so the so, brother and sister have sex in the twenty fifth hour. I'd expect it to. If I greenlight this thing, they better. <laughs> no, it's not. A, it's not on Fox. Okay, CW. <laughs> Which, by the way, oh. going going back to the the letter that was sent to us, Sex Criminals, uh, the, the volume four now, I think. Uh huh. Great ah. series. Great series. Buy all those trades. They're they're fantastic. You won't regret it. Yeah, I've and only read the first one, but it, that's good. Rick and I've, Morty I've versus Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, geez, yeah. If you're a Rick and Morty fan, don't Jesus, miss that yeah. one. That yeah. one is so good. And it's ridiculously well written. Yeah. Like whoever wrote it definitely knows about the whole D and D. Yeah, Jim Zub history. He, he's been writing tons of D and D comics actually. Okay. So, but and the first the first uh, series, uh, Pat Rothfuss uh, collaborated with him, and mm. they both, yeah, they hit that Rick and Morty voice. It's perfectly. it's also kind of neat, neat to see the tables turned on Rick, where yeah. like suddenly he's the least special person in the room, yeah. and everyone else is mm-hmm. <laughs> nice, nice twist, perfect voice for Jerry. Uh, I was astounded for two people who are not involved in writing the series that Jerry yeah. was perfect. So uh, so yeah, just to interject. All right, so green light fully on that one, although there was a tepid one in there. But I think we can make some money on this. CW people like this stuff. <laughs> All right, red light, green light. Charles Sewell's, uh, Charles Sewell's new novel, boy. I kind of like the first name, actually. <laughs> Charles, Charles Sewell's. Charles Sewell's. That sounds like something out of a Joe Hill novel. The Charred Souls. (laughs) Utterly burned to a crisp. Charles Soul, who uh, led the Smurf Smurf Revolution in France this week. (laughs) Smurf. Smurf Revolution. (laughs) Hour and 40 minutes, obviously. (laughs) Charles Soul's new novel, Anyone, is being developed for television. What's the title? Anyone. Well, just you. Tell me the title. Anyone is... Okay, yeah, but the title. The ti- oh my God, the 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 Abbott and Costello thing I saw online using the World Health Organization. Oh yeah, yeah. that was brilliantly. That written. was good. That was good. All right, Charles Soul. Anyone? Charles Soul. Charles Soul. I'm glad you stepped and ended on that one. Then. <laughs> <laughs> really had nowhere else to go. <laughs> toot toot. Uh, Carnival Films, an NBC Universal-owned production company responsible for small-screen hits like Downton Abbey, has acquired the on-screen rights to the sci-fi book. Uh, Soul will produce and project. Uh, the pr- <laughs> project. <laughs> this, and is project the, this is the last one. Like Greenland. <laughs> Soul will produce the project alongside Gareth Niam, Nigel Marchant, and Joanna Strevens. Boy, these British names are killing them. <laughs> anyone, anyone. There's no Braithwaite. Why they have? <laughs> Listen, it's by the wood. All right. <laughs> anyone takes place in a world where women's determination to find a cure for Alzheimer's leads to a technology that allows for people to transfer their minds into other bodies for specific periods of time. As well as any new frontier of human advancement, a black market crops up around the consciousness-oriented business. Sex, drugs, and crime become infinitely easier when you can simply leave the body you broke the law with. Set across multiple time periods, Anyone follows the technology's inventor as she tries to put a stop to the dark repercussions of her mind-altering discovery. Uh, Soul is well-established in the realm of pop culture thanks to his work on Daredevil, She-Hulk, and Darth Vader comics over at Marvel. Undiscovered Country, his new image comic book co-written with Scott Snyder, is currently being developed for a movie adaptation. Undiscovered Country. 
So Charles Soule's Anyone. Red light, green light. Wait. I get the title now. Yes. It all makes sense after I've read it, doesn't it? Oh, Mike. (laughs) All right, Andy, get out of there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sure, green light. Sounds interesting. I'm going to give green light too, yeah. Yeah. We're all in an affable mood today. Yeah, we are. That's, and we need to get some projects started up. Though, right? <laughs> yeah, we need to get some people something, working. Something in the works for when people are actually able to go back to their daily routine. Yeah. Well, you know, we just need to stock up on the streaming because obviously that's where it's at now. Sorry, Matt. You got two turntables and a microphone? Yeah. No, you don't, don't get credit for that one. That's that one's you said that where one, it's at. It's in the it's inside, <laughs> where it's at. <laughs> so what's your definition of a pretentious? Write to us. Comments at ugly. Pretentious? pretentious. pretentious. It's a whole new world. Oh, yeah. You get, to, you get to make up the definition of Anyone that. can. The way she walked across the room was so pretentious. <laughs> the sway of her hips and the arrogance right. of her so, face. So it's a mixture Bigs. of, of uh, sensuous and pretentious. Yes. Bigs, you have to add that into the Urban Dictionary. Yeah, now. pretentious. Oh, yeah. Does that mean we'll have three entries now? So then went Galapi. No, I, either, one, either one. that or you. Well, there was another one. There was another one he submitted but never got accepted for some reason. Uh, he's going to have to remind us. Hence um, one. But uh, there also you could go the uh, you might be a redneck route and be. Oh, that's not. Um, what kind of game you want to play tonight, huh? Why don't you pretend you was a cop and I'm a criminal? I'm Master Torgo. <laughs> I'm Hades Jeff. <laughs> Corvid K. Samboni Mats. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek, most likely. Pretentious at home, listening to a podcast. Ooh, push the button, Frank. You really Whoa. want that to be the ending. I can't <laughs> let it be. It's been too many times. It's, I've said it many times, but you've only ever done it once. Right. Yeah. I've shot my wad. See, it has to be. Oh, but has once to come in 10 years. Jeez. Organically. <laughs> organically. I think it was organic. I've shot my organic wad. I haven't wad. tried to do it in it, probably a year now. What? Like a lot of vitamins in That's it? That's organic? And over 10 years? <laughs> Depends how much pineapple Ten I mean. 10 years. Oh. The coconut years. water and the pineapple. Yeah. Oh, there's pineapple in this. Love, coconut water? Love your mate. If you <laughs> drink pineapple. You you gargle with that, it kills the virus. Listen. Oh Jesus. Yeah. All this, right. This thing was a Jeff huge Fox thing of pineapple. Really pineapple <laughs> lemonade. Okay, so. But you have pineapple lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>